Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome to the complete enigmatic mysteries of the unknown, or emu as it's amusingly known, part one. This first part includes the first six mini-episodes that were originally released to patrons during Season 1, and then released to everyone else during the hiatus between Seasons 1 and 2. The reason I've chosen to re-release these in two long, comprehensive episodes is because Dave, the creator and host of EMU, becomes an important character in Season 3 of Ostium. So I want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to be completely caught up with the whole story. Now, since I'm re-releasing these episodes, I could easily clean up and remaster them for sound quality, but I'm choosing to keep them as they are. Dave is not an audio producer. He's just a guy who wanted to make a show about some thoughts and ideas he had. I feel the, at times, inferior audio quality adds more to his character. So, sit back, if you're sitting, and if you've never experienced enigmatic mysteries of the unknown before, prepare to be enlightened. Okay, is it recording? I see the red button is pressed and there's squiggly lines, so we've got audio. Good. Uh, don't really know why I'm recording this. Maybe I'll edit it out later or something. Oh, fuck it. For now, I'm just going to talk. Right, where shall we begin? How about with an intro? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Hello and welcome to Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown, a.k.a. the musings of a lonely man on the internet with a decent Wi-Fi connection and an alright mic and the need to tell the truth. My name is David Fothergill Attenborough Windsor. Don't bother looking around on the internet for who I am. You won't find me. That name was completely made up. Except for the David part. Dave is my name. David. Or is it? Da-da-da. God, I sound stupid. No one's going to bother listening to this shit. Why do I even bother? Because of what I know. That's why. What I found. So let's start with some answers to the whys. Why enigmatic mysteries of the unknown? I know, it's a bloody mouthful. But you're not the one who has to say it. I do. I was going to go with something really vague and obscure, like 
watercolors of the future, or learning how to watch paint really dry, or how to get completely, utterly lost on the tube before you even start. You see, my thinking was to keep this podcast hidden and sort of secret from, you know, those listening in. The government, MI5 and or MI6, uh, the, the FBI, CIA, pick your clandestine voyeur poison, your J. Edgar Hoover listening in wearing stockings and garters and a really tight bra. And I don't know why I just said that, but it's been recorded. And I made a promise to myself when I started Emu, that's Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown, that I wasn't going to censor myself. And I know, saying Emu makes me sound like a complete twat. We'll stick with the full title from now on. No, I'm not bonkers. I'm just governmentally and conspiratorially challenged. Excuse me while I get rid of the excess saliva. So where was I? Right, so if I used any of those vague titles I already mentioned, I wouldn't get any listeners who'd be interested in what I'm interested in, who want to find out what I want to find out. I'd get people looking for art, or helping with the London Underground, or someone curious about paint drying. Basically the wrong sorts of people. Also, if they, whoever they might be, really want to find me, it doesn't matter what I call the fucking thing. They'll find it. Finding me, however, is a completely different kettle of fish to fry. So, let me give a little background on yours truly. No siblings. My mum and dad are... <sighs> missing. Dad went first. No, he didn't scarper off because he was sick of me and my mum. He just was gone one day. Left his wallet and watch, anything he might have cared about to take with him. I was in my teens. We waited a few days, wanting, wishing him to come home through that front door. But he never did. We got in touch with the police. They eventually gave Scotland Yard a ring, and they did a big investigation. Found nothing. Found out nothing. Nothing. But you move on. No, not really. You never do. But you keep living. One day after another. One foot in front of t'other. And things sort of go back to normal. My mum went when I was a lot older. Same exact circumstances. Had my own place, well, with flatmates and my own job. Got a call from friend's mum, saying she'd arranged to meet, but my mater never showed. So I went round to her house when I had the chance, thinking the worst, of course, and that's exactly what I found. An empty home screaming the word orphan at me. Life was shit for a long time after that. I hit rock bottom a few times, but some friends picked me up each time. I got back on my feet, and for the last three years I've been a faithful courier under the purview of Canary Wharf. Bringing important wankers, important pieces of paper. It's work. Gets me lots of fresh air and plenty of rain, of course. And it's gotten to a point now where I can't really say I'm happy, but things are going okay for a change. Anyway, enough with the bleak shit, let's move on. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, so to speak. Something's not right in this world. Well, 
There's a lot that's not right in this world, actually. You and I already know that. But if you peel back the layer of ordinary life, strip away the facade of mundanity, you find things that can't be explained by normal means. Questions that can't be answered by science and logic. This sort of stuff's been talked about since the first Homo sapiens looked up in the mysterious sky and asked, what if? What if aliens came to Earth? What if ghosts are real? What if there are doors that take you to places you should not go? To other places in time, other dimensions, other worlds? Call it fairy, call it planet X, call it the fucking Twilight Zone. It's definitely not Kansas anymore. Now, most people out there on the street, if you try to talk to them about any of this stuff, they'll look at you like you've got two heads. But I know there are those of you out there who do believe in slivers of truth, nuggets of a story that pings with your reality. It resonates with you because you've had an experience in your life. Something happened to you to make you believe, to make you wonder and ask questions and look for answers. There are podcasts out there on the internets doing just this. Podcasts that are considered strange and unusual, addressing the unexplained, the mind-bogglingly weird. They're talking about it, opening it up and peeling off the layers like a cosmic game of pasta parcel. Some of them hide behind the facade of fiction, while others profess it to be true. I'm talking about podcasts like The Black Tapes, Welcome to Night Vale, Archive 81, The Box, and Tennis. A couple of these are about specific locations, towns. The two that come to mind are Welcome to Night Vale and Tennis. Oh, and uh, another one I just found out called Limetown. Now, these podcasts have specific websites with lots of information on them, not just about the podcast, but also the town they're talking about. And then, of course, there are lots of message boards scattered around the internet where people are talking about them. And Reddit is just off the charts. Well, about a lot of things, but especially under the subreddits of these podcasts. And then there's Ostium. I found the Ostium podcast about a month ago. was just googling around, going from one site to t'other, seeing how deep down the rabbit hole I could go on the topics of the mysterious, unexplained and unsolved. Okay, okay. I can hear you laughing all the way down those itsy-bitsy internet tubes. I might as well have just said I googled people, ghosts and phenomena. I know. It was intended to be vague. Deceptively so. But that's because Ostium is something unique. Special. And I don't want every Tom, Dick and Harry following in my footsteps and jumping to outrageous conclusions. I'm the only one who's going to be making those outrageous conclusions, whether there's jumping involved or not. This is, after all, the enigmatic mysteries of the unknown. It's my bloody podcast. And I know I found something. I stumbled across this simple WordPress site by accident. Possibly. I don't really know. It was a blog called Ostium. There was one posting. It was just an audio file. I played it and listened to an incredible story about someone named Jake discovering a secret town in California. And honestly, there wasn't really anything remarkable about the story he told. No supposed ghosts or purported demons. 
No little green men, no portals leading to another dimension. Just a strange-looking town in the middle of nowhere with no people in it, locked up tight. Yeah, if that didn't grab your interest, then I don't know what will. But the way this man told the story, even though it was hours after the fact, it was emotional, powerful. He convinced me. The determination and hunger in his voice just made me believe. I thought it was pretty weird that there really wasn't anything else on the site, just that one blog post with the one audio file. No description or words. I don't know if there'll be anything more, any sort of follow-up post. He ended it indicating he was going to go back to Ostium and try to get inside. So presumably there'll be another recording. I'll keep checking. Keep a tab open on that site and refresh it every time I refresh my Twitter feed and Facebook page. You know, only a couple billion times a day then. So while I was waiting for something more to show up on the blog, I started digging around and seeing if I could find anything about what the bloody hell an ostium is. Jake, that's the person who did the recording, at least he said his name was Jake, talked about it a bit, that its literal definition is some sort of door, from the Latin. An entryway, a passage, a portal even. It was pretty much all-inclusive of something that takes you from point A to point B through a door. So yeah, pretty fucking vague, I know. But also intriguing. He went to the various incarnations of the Ostium website to see what he could find. Found nothing useful, really. So naturally, I had to do the same thing, just to see if he was telling me a bunch of codswallop, or see if I could stumble on anything. Ostium.com took me to a blank site. Nothing there. It wasn't so much that it was unregistered, as it looked more like someone somewhere owned it, but wasn't doing anything with it at the moment. You could go to a link and get in contact with the owner, and make an offer to buy it, but that was all she wrote on the matter. Ostium.net took me to a site looking like it was eventually going to turn into something. It said Ostium Network at the top, with the door beneath it. There was a test post that was literally just called that and nothing else, with no writing in the post. Not really that shocking or even interesting for that matter. But the important thing is, it's different from what Jake saw according to his recording. Also, I know Ostium means door, but what the hell is the Ostium network? And what does the door mean? A capital T for the and capital D for door. Bit suspicious that, no? Ostium.co.uk took me to an under-construction page. Even had the little digging man image. Though it did say that someone just registered the site. So, so far we've got all three of these sites with pretty much bugger all on them. Yes, very mysterious, I know. The last one Jake tried was Ostium.it, because it's a Latin word. When he did, he got taken to some lawyer's site called Minucci. When I tried it, I just got a dead page that said, this site can't be reached. So at this point, I'm pretty much at a standstill. Going in all directions at once by not moving. I'm all out of ideas, other than refreshing the Ostium site and putting my hands together and praying there'll be some sort of update or something new soon. Oh, and there was one weird thing about Jake's recording. He talked a little bit about how he was actually able to narrow down which road to go on to find the town. Or I guess since it's in America, 
It'll be a freeway or a highway or whatever they bloody call them. It's a bloody road, isn't it? Anyway, he said he cleared his mind, closed his eyes and just kind of concentrated and got a feeling. A sense of direction about which way to go. Yeah, now that I think about it, I guess there was an element of the unknown in the recording. Sounds pretty much like a minor case of ESP. That's extrasensory perception for you paranormal Luddites. And that really is it. I guess I'll make my next installment when something else actually happens. If it happens. I hope it does. I'm really interested. I want to know what Ostium is. What the mystery behind it is. And it's not like I've got the dosh to hop on an airplane and fly over to California and find it for myself. So if you can, wait patiently for my next update. And know that I won't be, of course. Oh, and it's time to invoke the mantra for enigmatic mysteries of the unknown. The sleepers are waking. If you're listening to this, it means you found the next installment of Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. It also means I found out something more about Ostium. Right. We've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get cracking. There's now another episode up on the Ostium blog. Like the previous one, it's got no title, no info about it at all. Just the title Ostium and the number 2, differentiating it from Ostium number 1. Now, the story he tells is quite hard to believe, frankly, even for me. And that's saying something. I get easily besotted by your grand stories about her scary old house from before the war, or enraptured by that fella in Kensington who likes talking about aliens sticking him with anal probes. Yeah, basically if there's something strange and unusual about it, I believe anything you say. And yes, that was an obscure Ghostbusters reference. If you didn't get it, you can sod off. I don't want you listening to my podcast. Good. Hopefully there's someone still listening. The story Jake told was just... fucking outrageous. I don't even know if the sci-fi channel would want to make it. He got back to Ostium and found the padlock that had been on the gates yesterday mysteriously gone. Like someone had just removed it. Yeah, it's a little weird. But also not really, because whoever had the key could have just taken it away. Why? I don't have a bloody clue. He did mention it was a strange-looking padlock that he'd never seen before. Inside he found streets with shops and lots and lots of doors, all with numbers on them. The shops had signs with the names for what they were, all in different languages. As he went farther along, they changed to houses with doors with numbers on them. He found a bigger building with a clock on it and a big number one on the door. This was the only door that actually opened when he tried. Inside, he found doors leading to other rooms and a table with a map carved into it. The map was of the town of Ostium, with all the little details in it. All the numbers for all the doors over the whole bloody town. As someone who has a bit of a penchant for computer games, this map table got me quite a bit excited. It sounded like the ultimate key that we could all use in our everyday lives. Jake made the weighty decision to skip finding out what was behind the doors right in front of him and toddle off looking for door number two. If I'd been in his shoes, which I was technically when I was listening to the recording for the first time, 
I wouldn't have given a shit about all the other doors outside. The ones right in front of me would have been my bread pudding. My piece de resistance. Okay, that last part didn't really make sense. I know. But I said it, it was recorded, and I can't afford the extra reel to re-record it. Sorry. Little old-fashioned joke there that fell flat on its face like a one-legged man at an ass-kicking contest. Yeah, I bet you know that one. Anyway, what I'm trying to say, if you haven't gathered, is I wanted to know more about what was behind those doors behind door number one than finding out what was behind door number two. And yes, that does make sense if you look at it bit by bit. Trust me. But instead, Mr. Fisher, that's Jake's surname by the way, wanted to find out what was waiting for him behind door number two. And then apparently... He went through the open doorway and was transported back in time to Roanoke. Yes, that Roanoke. That place where one of the first colonies to settle in America completely and utterly disappeared. The one that's still an unsolved mystery today. It takes him a while to realize all this, naturally, to put all the clues together. But once he realizes, he understandably and probably logically gets the fuck out of there charging back through the door and returning to Ostium. Now, there's an awful lot to take in here, so before you start jumping down my throat as I start to talk about this and pull it apart, why don't you go ahead and Google for the Ostium podcast and give that second recording a listen. I'll wait until you get back. Toddle off, then. Welcome back. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? My first inclination is to cry bullshit about this whole caboodle and be done with it. I mean, the whole thing is just preposterous. What the bloody hell? So I took some time to myself, moulded over with many cups of tea as I gazed out at the constant London drizzle. I gave the first recordings a few listens again, to see if it jogged anything in me, and I came to this one conclusion. There's definitely something going on here. I don't know to what extent, but it's something. The way it's all being presented in such a simple, straightforward way. With no presis or info on the posts, the way they're just posted on the blog. It's being done by someone not looking to put some pounds in the bank or become the next big podcast hit like Welcome to Night Vale. The whole display and setup would have been different. When you come across it, as I know you will you'll see what I'm talking about. It's the sort of blog you might take a quick look at, think there's bloody all here really to see, and pass on. But I've always prided myself on looking for the inane and apparently pointless, letting my eye catch something of the unusual. All right, enough of the existential bollocks. What the fuck is really going on in here? Time travel? Parallel dimensions? A delusional bloke who's just completely lost it? From all logical angles, it seems like the latter is the most likely answer. But at the very beginning of this whole thing, I talked about how Ostium was something different. Something special. Maybe I had my own ESP moment, when I felt some sort of external force guiding me to the blog and then giving that first recording a listen. I don't know. It was like that voice reached me on a deeper level than any of the other podcasts had before. Like... I enjoy listening to all those other shows, but I know they're not real, even if they pretend to be. 
Maybe because they're not real, it's why I enjoy them. But with Ostium, it hit me a whole new way I hadn't felt before. Like it reached my soul. Wow. I know. That's some new agey shite. I fully acknowledge that. But it's also the only way I can put this, this feeling, this experience, into words. Of course, anyone else who gives Ostium a listen, hopefully some of you guys listening in right now, since I asked you to do it, won't have the same feelings I have. To you it might be just another ordinary podcast, just like the rest of them. Nothing really special about it. But let me know, okay? Shoot me an email on what you think. And if you do at all, what you feel about Ostium, you'll find details about reaching me at the end of this installment. So let's pull this strange recording apart a little bit. Roanoke. I did some research, and what Jake says seems to be correct, according to what I could find out on the internet. I did take a trip to the local library and found a few books that mention Roanoke and the Lost Colony also. And everything essentially matches with what it was said in the recording. It's a mystery. A really big mystery in American history. Possibly the biggest. I mean... Even I'd heard about it before I listened to the episode, so there you go. Now, let's be completely honest for a moment here. It hasn't been irrefutably proven, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that what really happened on Roanoke wasn't that mysterious after all. Likely those settlers had some really shitty times dealing with the inclement weather, running out of food living in crappy huts that didn't really do the job a solid roof over your head is supposed to do, especially when the time passed for some expected and very necessary deliveries of food and other important items from their leader, uh, John White. It never happened. He never arrived because he had his own issues on the other side of the Atlantic he was dealing with. So they left the island and very likely joined up with the local Indian population whose name was Croatan, Yes, you heard that right. You don't need to dig the wax out of your ears. One letter off of Croatoan. Exactly. Maybe things didn't go so well for the colonists after that. Maybe they acted like a bunch of assholes with the Indians, demanding this and that which just pissed them off and things got violent. I have no bloody clue. I'm not saying anything definitive on this. It's a theory. A fairly popular one, at least in respects that they all just got up and left looking for a better place to eat, a place to get some nosh. But there's no absolute proof. There's no primary source from a diary or letter from one of the colonists saying that this is exactly what happened to them. So we just don't know. Did the colonists just decide to leave and then met a very unfortunate and bloody end? Or did a rip in the fabric of reality a bloody great big black hole, open up right in front of their eyes and suck all of them into it. Technically, we can't completely rule that theory out now, can we? Because this is enigmatic mysteries of the unknown, after all, where anything is possible. I did think it a little bit weird, not significantly weird, and also possibly convenient that Jake seemed to know a lot about the mystery surrounding the lost colony of Roanoke. Yes, of course, he could have just looked it all up on the web like I did. But he said he learned a lot about it in a history class at university. And how, here I'm quoting his exact words. But see, the thing is, I know something about Roanoke. I did a paper on it in a college U.S. history class. 
I was fascinated by it. You might even say obsessed. The paper ended up being over ten pages long, and for a lower division course, that's pretty darn good. What are the chances that some bloke stumbles under the location of a secret town, then goes on a bit of a drive and manages to bloody find it? Gets inside where all these doors that won't open for him, and then he finds the right doors that do, and gets magically taken to a place back in time that he just happens to know a lot about. Makes for a pretty good story, doesn't it? Or is it some cosmic confluence working together to bring this ordinary Joe to Ostium and start him on a path to something? Some sort of quest. Think King Arthur and his fancy knights if you have to, but that's what I'm talking about. And now I've managed to find it. Evidence of Ostium. And I'm telling you about it. Yeah, it's a little bit spooky, I know. Go have a fag break or a breath of fresh air if you need it. I'll be here patiently waiting when you get back. I called this episode Lost because that was the word that resonated with me. Lost as in Jake seems pretty lost about Ostium and what the hell is going on here. Lost as in the people of Roanoke and what really happened to them. And lost as in I don't know what bloody happens next. I'm stuck again. A spanner in the works. Got nowhere to go until there's another recording. Until there's more Ostium. So, in the meantime, here's what you can do. If you've got some ideas, some theories, a couple of thoughts about Ostium, of enigmatic mysteries of the unknown, or about me, or whatever you bloody feel like talking about, then send me an email at enigmaticmysteriesoftheunknown at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Seriously. And maybe if you don't come off sounding like a complete wanker, I might even talk about it on the next installment of Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. Ta-ta for now. The sleepers are awaking. And we're back with the next installment of Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. And if I'm here speaking to you listeners, however many of you there might be out there, it means there's a new Ostium recording. And that would be correct, my son. First off, though, I just want to thank those of you out there listening. I've never really given a shit about statistics. At least not when it's something to do with me. If I've learned anything from working, well, sort of, under the business umbrella of the corporate world, I know being a courier is stretching it a bit, but still I've been involved in a lot of daily business goings-on, so I've seen a thing or three. And what I've learned is you can twist and massage and tenderize and bloody gouge the numbers however you want to get the results and answers you want. So when I first saw the download numbers of Emu, yep, I have to let an Emu slip in every once in a while, and take that with whatever grain of salt you like, I thought it was a big bowl of shite that just was being thrown at me to get me to start forking out some pounds their way somehow, whether it be with advertising or self-promotion of or whatever package they'd cocked up for me. But then I checked my inbox, and I was gobsmacked. I had over 20 emails in there. Now, just to give you a codger, my inbox gets maybe five emails a day, one or two from a friend or extended member of the family who I haven't heard from in bloody ages, one from my daily news site that I've subscribed to, which I will keep close to my chest until the day I die, and one or two pieces of spam because they always manage to slip in somehow. Even though it's been a while since my porn addiction and I've managed to get off all those wanking lists, 
Just kidding. But 20 in one day was bloody ridiculous. So then I thought it had to be some sort of con. Someone went out and rounded up some volunteers to string me along and make me look like a ripe pillock. But then I started reading them and bloody hell you guys, I'm bloody impressed. Lots of thoughts and ideas and theories that I'd never even really conceived of. And I plan to be bringing up a couple of them today and talking about them. First though, let's talk about the third recording of Ostium, which I downloaded a few days ago. The plot is definitely thickening into a ripe old London pea soup. At this point, listeners, I'm going to assume you've managed to find the Ostium recordings and have heard, taken in and digested this latest one. If not, push pause and go and find it and give it a listen. Then come back and continue. So Jake starts off looking behind those three other doors. The ones I really, really, really wanted him to look behind last time, instead of wandering off on some goose chase. Of course, said goose chase did supposedly lead him to the 16th century in Roanoke, but still, he should have bloody checked behind those three doors first, and not kept me in agonizing suspense for days. Days, I tell you! Okay, rant over. In one room was a toilet, shower, and sink, but the big deal about it was the bottle of head and shoulder shampoo and conditioner. In another room was a little kitchen with cupboards full of tin food, and in the last one was a small bedroom with a sleeping bag and clear signs that someone had been kipping there recently. So Mr. Fisher has a friend in the secret town of Ostium which nobody knows about. I know. After this installment, I expect the emails to come pouring in with a bursting bunch of ideas and thoughts on who this mysterious visitor might be. Is it a woman or a man? I'm picking woman because of the shampoo, but that's me being a sexist arsehole. What if it's neither one? No, I'm not thinking a general neutral present, though of course that's a possibility just as much as anything else. But what if it's not human? But it uses shampoo and tinned foods? I know, I know. Maybe it eats shampoo and washes its long, silky hair with pasta shapes and tomato sauce. Yeah, I know. I'll give it a rest. So Jake knows he's got someone else sharing his lodgings in Ostium. And while he doesn't have any clue who he, she, or it might be, he knows there's someone, and he could be running into them at any moment. So, mentally, he's ready for anything. Except what's behind door number three. He finds himself on a boat called the Mary Celeste in the Atlantic Ocean, in the latter part of the 19th century. The name was a bit familiar to me in some way. I'd come across it at some point in my life, but no bloody clue from when or where. In the recording, Jake told the listener, me in this case, I didn't want to just say told me, because that just sounds a little bit narcissistic, about the history of the ship and the circumstances around how it was found without any crew member on board. Like Roanoke, again I found it weird that he seemed to know about the Mary Celeste and its history to a level of detail that I wouldn't necessarily call normal. Like before, he could have just looked up all the history, but he said it with such conviction and aplomb as if he was just pulling it out of his memory. I did a bit of research on my own and confirmed what I could of what he said. Like the last recording about Roanoke, this one was pretty much spot on too, with regards to the research. With regards to him actually being on a ship in 1872, like Roanoke, it again smacks of the completely and utterly insane. And yet, once again, the conviction and fortitude in his voice, it made me start to believe. 
I won't say I went all the way into a crazy Agent Mulder conspiracy theory belief land, but I was definitely on my way, with a rucksack on my back and heading up the path. It was like he fully accepted you weren't believing a bloody thing he was saying, so he was going to try and convince you with his willpower. And you know what? It kind of worked. And then something weird happened. Really weird. While Jake was standing on the deck of this really big and really old ship, he started to hear a strange crunching, crackling sound that got louder and louder. On the horizon, he could see this black line that started to grow and get bigger, indicating it was getting closer to him. There was also this scary moaning sound he kept hearing. That was then this all kind of dawned on him and he realised he was in trouble. And that was when he pretty much legged it, but not before he nabbed himself a little trinket, a ring he found in a glass, and got out of there like a Man City supporter who stumbles into a pub full of man you hooligans. Back in Ostium, things went from weird to bloody weirder. At the map table, the ring started glowing, and when Jake placed it on top of the number three, it got sucked in, and the number turned from black to gold. It was like something from a video game. And that's when Jake noticed the number two on the map table was already gold, meaning someone else had done the same thing in Roanoke. Obviously it was the visitor who'd made themselves known from earlier. And that's when Jake decided he'd had enough with everything and totted off back to his humble abode. There's so much going on here. Each little piece, whether you're talking about Jake ending up on the Mary Celeste, or the weird noise and encroaching blackness and ghostly moans, or the fact that he was able to steal something from the past and bring it back to the present. A significant tangent to be earmarked for later is whether Jake is actually in the same present as I'm currently in, or is he living in some other point in time, be it past, present or future to be discussed later. And then there's the whole bit about the ring glowing and being sucked into the map table. And finally the apparent fact that someone else is already doing the same thing. I feel like these are all separate topics and I could spend half an hour talking about each one of them. And I bet, and truly hope, the emails from you listeners will be coming my way with your thoughts and ideas on all this. And without further ado, let's start talking about some of those emails. As I said earlier, I got a number of emails from you listeners and was well chuffed. I'm not going to talk about them all today, but again, I'm very thankful. The first one I wanted to mention was from Emma. She wisely and correctly didn't give me a surname, and the email address was sufficiently vague so anyone reading in on this email wouldn't be able to start tracking her down. At least I don't believe so. She did what she could at her end, and I continue to do what I can at mine to keep those eavesdropping and reading over our shoulders sufficiently off our enigmatic and mysterious trail. Emma believes it's a government thingy. I know, some weird phrasing there, but I'm quoting her directly. She thinks it's all part of some grandiose government conspiracy, a la The X-Files. The government is possibly behind all of it. They created the secret town which could well be just one of many spread across the vast swath of North America, and possibly even wrapping around the entire world. There could be tens of these secret towns, or there could be hundreds, or even thousands. The FBI and or CIA might be behind it all. It might go all the way to the top with the president, or it's a clandestine government group that never appears on any records and is handling the whole thing. And the key to this whole ostium thing is the time travel part. The government has known about and managed to harness the ability to travel through time years ago, 
but were unable to create a device to do it. No easy time travel machine here. So instead, it's an entire town with lots and lots of doors that go to different moments in time. First off, thank you very much for that, Emma. It's a quite plausible idea. The few issues I have with it are, how is it that Jake goes through one of these doors and never sees any people on the other side? Now, bear in mind, we're dealing with a pretty small sample size here. But there's also the apparent fact that both Roanoke and the Mary Celeste are pivotal moments in history specifically tied to mysterious disappearances. Are these doors therefore somewhat random time travel portals? And if so, what are the chances to two doors leading to moments in time that have such a powerful resonance with mysterious historical events? And then there's the intrinsic links with Jake himself. How is he possibly tied to Roanoke and the Mary Celeste, due to his knowing so much about each of them? And therefore, what's his crucial tie with Ostium? Okay, I think we've got time for one more. Our next piece of electronic correspondent comes from Rupert, who said he hails from the Lake District. No problems there, Rupert. I don't think they'll be able to track you down with a little detail. And Lord knows you can always bugger off into those lush green Lake District hinterlands if you need to, and partake of Mother Nature for a bit like William Wordsworth did. Rupert's thoughts are on a different track. Why might even say a completely different railway line? We've gone from the tube to national rail. Rupert has gone from down-to-earth government conspiracy theories to little green men from other planets. I'm sorry, Rupert. I don't mean to belittle your theory at all, but sometimes I just can't avoid switching to tasty sound bites and catchphrases. According to Rupert, Austin was created and placed in Northern California by beings from another planet, likely a completely different galaxy from our own. Jake does mention in the first recording, I believe, about how planned and artificial the town feels, especially since it's literally in the middle of nowhere with no other towns, villages, or hamlets nearby. Rupert doesn't go into any detail about what these alien beings look like, or how anthropomorphic they may be, because it's pretty pointless, as Rupert says, and it's not important to the discussion at hand. What is important is that an intelligent alien race with greater technological abilities than our own, decided to create Ostium and place it on Earth. Why in California? Why a town with doors in time? Why places where people have disappeared? Rupert doesn't provide any answers to this, and I can't really offer any either myself. I know these are questions I'm constantly asking myself as I mull over the mystery of Ostium over a giant mug of tea. However, when I put these two possible and plausible theories beside each other and consider their possibilities and ramifications, I have to say, nothing against Emma, but Rupert may just have something here. There's nothing normal or really acceptable about Ostium. Doors with numbers, a pantry of tin foods, doors in time, a solid wall surrounding the entire bloody town. So why the hell couldn't it have been made and plonked on planet Earth by a bunch of brainy aliens? Rupert, I have to say, you're at the top of the list so far who's making the most sense, so good on you, mate. And that brings us to the end of this installment of Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. Until next time. The sleepers are awaking. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi. I don't really know what to say. I don't care where you are in the world, you've heard the devastating news in some shape or form. It makes bloody Chernobyl look like a fucking, fucking mucked up chemistry experiment. Probably the scariest thing about it is no one knows how bad it's going to get. How many people are going to start dying from radioactive poisoning? The scientists don't know. The politicians have no bloody clue. The pretty faces on the telly just keep spouting complete and utter bullshit because they don't know anything. And the meteorologists, those climatological soothsayers, the one bloody bunch who could have an inkling of a clue of which way the giant, country-spanning, continent-encroaching cloud of uranium death might be going, don't want to choose or decide on anything because they could be condoning the deaths of thousands, or tens of thousands, or much worse. Alright, let's try and talk a little bit about Ostium and pretend somehow that 
everything's right as rain in this lovely world. <sighs> okay, not beating about the bush here, I'm just going to jump right to the chase. Fucking Mars. The fourth door took Jake to fucking Mars, the bloody red planet. I mean, I obviously hear some of you shouting bollocks from the rooftops, but if you stayed with me this far along, then you've got to believe, at least a little. If you can believe that this bloke somehow mysteriously travelled to Roanoke, and then made a quick time-travelling jaunt to an old ship from the 19th century which was apparently haunted, the next logical step, pushing the boundaries of your beliefs that much farther, is of course going through a door on planet Earth and coming out the other side on planet Mars. Also, the details Jake revealed were just... nothing short of bloody astounding. He was inside some sort of base on Mars, so it was apparently the future, probably the distant future, and there was some sort of colony on the fourth rock from the sun. It was like something off of TNG or your quintessential book of science fiction and through the fancy future window he saw rocket ships resting on launch pads, awaiting passengers to be whisked away to far-off planets and stars, no doubt. And then Jake sees a Martian lander of some sort, a buggy as he calls it, and marquee on the side are the words NASA and Martian Colony Number 4. Again, astounding. A mountain of thoughts and ideas avalanching down in those few words. He even finds a museum of sorts with spirit and opportunity and all those old unmanned friends that have set foot on the red planet. And at the end he sees her. Another person. Another person who is on Mars with him and she knows the way back to Ostium. Tips him a wink and slams the door in front of his face. Which is important because that's Jake's only link with Ostium and this world. And it immediately tests the hypothesis as to whether that link between our world and the others that are connected through the doors to Ostium are fragile, degrading. But you and I know, listener, Jake made it through, and what happened next remains an enigma until we get his next recording from the hallowed grounds of Ostium. The trip to Mars was yet another incident where Jake entered into both the unknown and the known. He didn't know where he would be once he opened that door. However... As soon as he crossed that plateau, it took him all of a handful of minutes to deduce exactly where he was. Now, I know for us astronomical Luddites, recognising the rusty orange surface of Mars isn't that easy. But there's still a fair number of people, given time and a good dose of common sense, who'd be able to work it all out. For Jake, it barely takes him any time at all, and he pulls from a mental library of references with all the science fiction and probably actual science books he's read on the subject. Once again, he's familiar with the terrain, as bizarre and out of the bloody blue it may seem. He may continue to be completely gormless about it, while I'll continue crying out from this wee little blog spot that Jake Fisher has a focal connection to Ostium. What the details and parameters of that connection are, don't look at me. No bloody clue. But nevertheless, it is there. I'd stake the integrity of Emu on it. Which obviously isn't staking much, but I believe it from the bottom of my heart to the top of my cerebral cortex. Perhaps this new player who has entered the playing field may be able to put Jake in the know-how a little bit more. Only time will tell, I suppose, if the audio recordings keep coming. 
Now I'd like to move right along and open up Pandora's box for a moment on the topic of why there's never another bloody soul around when Jake is off gallivanting through doors in Ostium to other worlds. I know, I know. It's a bit hypocritical after I literally just said there was another person on Mars with him and she passed through the door to Ostium. But something tells me, that gut feeling as they call it perhaps, that she's an Ostium local, in that she's from our side of the solar system, if you catch my drift. Wherever this new person is from, I'm almost positive it's from somewhere on planet Earth. Probably somewhere in the States, given the locus of Ostium. So I still stand by my need to discuss this topic. Jake's travelled to the 16th century and spent a significant amount of time in Roanoke looking around. He's been to the 19th century aboard the shipping vessel, the Mary Celeste. And now he's toddled around an elaborate colony station on another planet. And they've all been sands... Homo sapiens. The first two examples are obviously pretty well documented cases of there having been people in Roanoke and on the Mary Celeste until the eventual discovery that there were none. Both of these pieces of historical lore are shrouded in an unsolved mystery that seems to grow in its depth and mysteriousness as time passes. It's almost convenient that they happened centuries ago before good forensic investigation was available to allow trained professionals to get definitive answers on what happened to these two separate groups of people that have become lost to time and space. As for the third example, it's the distant future, way beyond the year 2000. Applying the same paradigm, we can assume that this colony base was once fully stocked and well inhabited by future humans, presumably from Earth, and something happened, much as it did in Roanoke in 1589 or thereabouts, and much as it did on the Mary Celeste in 1872. And they all just up and disappeared, and no one was none the wiser, because there was no one left to be. Thus poses the question, why is a secret town with many doors sending someone to these places where everyone has mysteriously, or perhaps magically, disappeared? It's a menacing conundrum, to be sure. The logic doesn't follow. The centre doesn't hold. It just feels like Austin is sending you in too late, after the party's all finished. The boat's left the harbour. The aeroplane is ascending to cruising altitude. The gig's over and the band's left, and your best mate just pissed off with that girl you wanted to snog. It just seems like if Ostium had wanted you to fully understand what was going on, it would have sent you back to that time, or forwards in time, to the moment when everything went to shit and everyone got sucked into space or pulled through a black hole or whatever pulled into another world. Okay, time to step back a pace or two and try to get a wider perspective. Let's open our minds to the realms of other possibilities. Of any possibilities, really. If Ostium had meant this, whatever Ostium wants this to be, to be an easy job, it would have made it easy, right? So Ostium is putting its people... And at the moment, those people seem to consist of Jake Fisher and this new woman in this specific location in time and space for a reason. We just need to work out what that reason might be. That's all. Now, I could just sit here and enjoy a pleasant silence for a few minutes, but that would just be a waste of my time and yours. There's no clear and apparent reason I can fathom or even come up with for the why and the when Ostium does what it does. What this probably means is first we're working on too little information. We need more details, more evidence. We're trying to see the big picture here, the overarching intention of Ostium, and we can't because we simply don't know enough. However, 
if we were to start talking about theories as to why Ostium is doing what it's doing. I can imagine my inbox filling up with your lovely idea-filled emails as I say this. As for me, being the voice of enigmatic mysteries of the unknown, I have some words to say about this. And they're thus. What if Ostium knows exactly what happens to these people, and all the other groups of people who have disappeared throughout the history of our humanity? I'm referring to such things as the Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Triangle, Stonehenge, Avalon, and yes, Atlantis. All unique places that have a dearth of history, be it in lore and fable or documented sources of some form or other. The common denominator to each one of these is that of people. People who lived within these locations at one time, and now no longer exist. But little to nothing is known about them, and they remain fresh, weighty fodder for those, like you and I, listeners, who seek out to discuss these matters of the unknown, unsolved, and enigmatic. They rarely grace a page or paragraph in the history books, and you'd be kidding yourself if you were looking for a chapter about them. This is why we wish to talk about them, to debate and to discuss, to hum and haw, because no one else is bloody doing it. They're dying off and disappearing like beautiful species on the precipice of extinction, and will eventually be lost to history and knowledge. We do what we can to keep them alive, to try and find out more. We search for the whys and hows, because we know there is something crucial to them, something pivotal to our existence that is intrinsically tied with those unique places, those special people. It all hangs on the edge of a knife, and this blade is certainly a sharp one, bloody sharp. And Ostium may well be the key, the fulcrum, the dynamo, the existential piece of machinery at the centre of everything, that makes it all tick and tock and carry on. And here's another what-if for you, a great big one. One that curdles my blood a little, turning it icy cold. What if Ostium is at the heart of it all, because it caused it all? Ostium made it all happen. Ostium caused the disappearances of the Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Triangle, and all those other unsolved mysteries. Ostium is behind the veil of the unknown of Stonehenge. Ostium caused Atlantis to fall beneath the waves all that time ago. Ostium caused all those disappearances, extinguished all those lives, snuffed them out like you or I wick out a candle flame with a wetted forefinger and thumb. I don't know. I just don't know. It seems simply too horrific to believe. And what would then be the whole point of sending Jake through those doors one by one? To help those now gone, lost to time? Nothing we've heard so far from Jake leads one to think this on any way. Hogwash. There's got to be something more. Something more to it. But what? Okay, I've gone and exhausted myself. I do look forward to your emails, honestly. I'm happy to hear what you might think, what you have to tell. But for now, I'm going to have one last cuppa and then bury myself under the warm covers. The sleepers are awaking. Welcome once again to Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. We come to you now live from the middle of the Atlantic Ocean aboard the cargo ship CMA CGM Jorg Foster bound for Newark, New Jersey. The weather is currently clear with some cloudy skies. Swell is a couple of feet, not too bad at the moment. 
A significant storm is scheduled for arrival by the evening, and I expect that's when I'll start painting the walls of my pathetically small cabin with fresh, pongy sick. I suppose I should start at the beginning and try and get this all done before that bloody storm makes itself known. If you cast your minds to where I left you last time, things were looking bleak as shit with the radioactive cloud steadily moving itself deep into the western half of the continent. They didn't get any better. It went from shit to shittier to shittiest, and it's still getting worse. And now death tolls are coming in and they're just horrific. Bodies are piling up and everyone's starting to get more than a bit fidgety. Fortunately, I got the ants-in-my-pants syndrome before anyone else and started making my preparations. Completely emptied out my bank account and stuffed all the notes into a toiletry bag that's now in my rucksack that I never let out of my sight. Got a few weird and suspicious looks when they were counting out the money, at least I thought so. But it wasn't exactly a lot of money to begin with. Nevertheless, it was every single penny I had to my name. I had my few bags packed in a short time and was on my way before anyone started to wonder where I'd gone off to. I didn't tell a soul. Got the necessary trains down to Portsmouth. I'd been in touch with an old acquaintance who knew a bloke who worked on a cargo ship. The very cargo ship I'm currently on, actually. We made some arrangements. In Portsmouth, I met the acquaintance and paid him the hundred nicker we'd agreed on. Spent a night in a shitty hotel. Next morning at four, I was at the specific key and there was the bloke. I forked over the five hundred quid, as we'd agreed on, and then he showed me to my tiny box of a cabin. He showed me where the bog or head was, where I could eat when I needed to, that I was to keep stumm and out of sight pretty much the whole fucking time. What he'd done was a very big no-no. If some of the crew saw me, it wouldn't be good, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. If the captain somehow saw me, the proverbial shit would hit the proverbial fan. Once I was delivered alive and sort of well to the great city of Newark, I would hand over the other 500 pounds. The only saving grace on this whole trip is that I have Wi-Fi, and I have the option to plug in and charge my iPad and phone. Otherwise, there's not really much else to do here. The relaxing voyage on this magnificent and mighty cargo ship will take six days. At the moment, we're on day four. I've gotten a lot of reading done. Well, rereading, really. I loved James Herbert's books. A distinctly British flavor of horror. Plus, they always had lots of sex in them. As a teenager, and bear in mind this is pre-internet, or at least pre-free wonderful porn, it took work for me to find... uh, (laughs) enjoyment and satisfaction. Anyway, let's stop talking about what I like to get up to behind closed doors. All on iBooks, of course. I have to say, reading the third and final book of Herbert's Rats series, like Carrie for Stephen King, Herbert's first novel, The Rats, which was published in 1974, became a bestseller and launched his career. It's the terrifying novel of these giant rats that tried to take over London and have a taste for human flesh. He followed it up with a weaker sequel in Lair, and then there was Domain in 1984, a decade later during the Cold War when there were those who feared nuclear war could be imminent at the drop of a Soviet hat. The book is about nuclear war. The few that are left surviving in London, of course, try to put their lives back together in some form. And then they discover that the rats also survived, and some have been mutated and deformed by the radioactivity. It's a bleak story, obviously. But reading it now, 
with everything going on. A few times as I was reading, I find my cheeks wet with tears. I know I'm running away, a complete and utter coward. But you know what? I know right now there's an exodus of sorts going on as Western Europe tries to flee from that oncoming death cloud through whatever means they can manage. I'm sure the airports are a madhouse, every flight to anywhere far away overbooked, people begging for tickets, throwing money at others, trying to get out of there, and here I am, all safe and cushy. I suppose, now that I've dutifully informed you as to why I'm hiding out on this giant cargo vessel, I should explain why I'm headed for the east coast of the United States of America. No, it wasn't my only option. I chose it for a reason. And you know what? I'm going to wait a little bit before I tell you. Let's build some dramatic emphasis here on enigmatic mysteries of the unknown. I've got bugger all else to do, and bucket loads of time. So let's talk a little bit about Ostium, then. Though, to be honest, I don't really feel like it with the current state of things. But it's why we're all here. And yes, that was a clue. I don't think I'm going to really address the episode specifically anymore. If you've followed everything with Emu so far, especially if you've been here from the beginning, then you know as much as I do. Maybe even more. So today we'll have a bit of a brainstorming on what Ostium might have been like before Mr. Jake Fisher found out about it and couldn't keep himself away. Imagine me attempting to invoke a David Attenborough voice here. We stand here on the brink of something new. It is a place unlike any other, a location you've never seen before. The mighty gates shine with a silvery sheen unknown to this world. We venture within, hesitant, nervous, perhaps a little afraid, but also excited. We see the creatures existing, living in their natural habitat. They go about their daily activities, passing through doors to other worlds. Within the blink of an eye, they travel across immense distances that boggle the mind. Vast chasms are crossed within a single bound. On these other worlds, they choose one item, one artifact that they deem important to themselves and their race. These artifacts are brought back one by one as they return via the doors through which they first entered. Each day a valuable collection is brought back to Ostium, and all convened in the sacred room before the map table. There they place their trinkets, their talismans upon the number belonging to their particular door passed through earlier. And thus the true ritual begins as a magical light rises up, encompassing the artifacts and turning the numbers gold. The ritual now completed, each member returns to their daily duties, preparing to conduct a similar journey on the following day. So there you have one possible permutation of the original Ostium. I'm sure I could envision another recreation or two of the place that Ostium once was, but none of it seems to ring true. It is apparent, and Jake made this point a number of times, that almost everything in Ostium had the appearance of something very old, possibly ancient. But, be that as it may, Ostium also seems to have that ghost town feel to it. No, it's more of a Martian feel. The Mars of today. Empty, uninhabited, and barren. That's how Ostium feels. Obviously, someone or something created the town and all the buildings within it. And on some level, the trans-dimensional portals behind each door were orchestrated by some higher power. Yet Jake and Monica seem to be the first inhabitants, the first people to actually visit the town. 
akin to when the first person sets foot on Mars. At least that is the sense I get whenever I hear Ostium described by Jake, and now Monica. Alright, I think I've kept you anxiously waiting in suspense for long enough. The precise reason why I'm fleeing the giant oncoming radioactive death cloud in a massive cargo tanker bound for the eastern seaboard of America is because... Jake sent me a message. I know. Holy shit, right? And you know what? It was an audio message. So instead of you listening to me blather on any further, I'm just going to let you hear the message in its entirety. Enjoy. Hello, Dave. You're looking well today. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. I couldn't resist. I'm a real big nerd sometimes. I just can't help it. Also, it's great to talk to someone outside of Ostium. Sort of talk in the sense that I'm recording this message and sending it to you, and you'll presumably have some sort of response. Anyway, thanks for doing what you do. I never knew if anyone was actually listening to my recordings. I assume so. Hope so, I guess. But I never heard from anyone about Ostium. About my recordings. So I wasn't sure. And then I got your first email about when you found Ostium what it meant to you, and what you were planning to do with (laughs) Emu. And I received every email you sent after that. I listened to your podcast, too. It's impressive. I really enjoyed it. I also know what's happening over there, in Europe. It's, It's really fucking scary, to be honest. I'm scared. I'm terrified for everyone over there. I'm concerned about you doesn't seem like things are going to get any better. What are you going to do? Do you have any plans? Any ideas? I feel ridiculously safe and protected here in Ostium. I don't know if it's something you could manage in any way, but you're welcome to come here. To come to Ostium. Um, I'm not going to tell Monica about any of this. Yet. She doesn't know anything about you. At least, I don't think she does. It's possible she's found your podcast and just hasn't told me anything, but I don't think so. And she doesn't have to know, for the time being. I don't know if you're still able to fly. I would think flight tickets are selling like hotcakes, and everyone wants one to get the heck out of Dodge. But if you can somehow swing it, you'd be welcome. I'd be, and I'm sure once I explained it all to Monica, we'd be happy to have your company. You already seem well-versed on all things Ostium and what topics of this sort pertain to. Meaning, you're a conspiracy nut like us. Three definitely wouldn't be a crowd in this case. So, let me know either way, whatever you choose or are able to do. If you're sort of stuck there or you've made the decision to stay there, I'll support you and help however I can. And I'll keep those Ostium recordings coming. And you keep doing what you're doing. It's great stuff, like I said. And, I guess, see you on the other side. And remember, the sleepers are awaking. I was an Englishman in New York. Well, New Jersey to be specific. But technically I could see New York from where I was standing at the docks. It was extremely discombobulating. I'd been sick in every sense of the word for the last three days. Felt light enough to be blown off in stiff wind, 
with all the weight I'd forcefully ejected out of myself. I couldn't keep a thing in my stomach except for a few crusts of bread. Being on solid ground was a godsend. You wouldn't think a bloody tanker to sway to and fro so much, you know, being the approximate length of a football pitch and all. And yet, when that storm arrived that evening, I wanted to be anywhere else but on that rotten boat. The rest is a bile-stinking blur I want to soon forget. I checked into a nearby shitty motel. Yes, just as shitty as the one in Portsmouth, only full of yanks instead of sailors. And laid down, waiting for the ground, the world to stop seesawing back and forth. A good night's sleep which had me up and at the early hour of the morning did wonders. When I stood up, I was finally on the flat ground again. I had breakfast at a restaurant called Denny's. The hash browns were salty and greasy and crunchy. The bacon, too greasy and mostly fat. The orange juice wasn't freshly squeezed, which pissed me off royally. I didn't leave a tip. I got directions to the main bus terminal, which was logically pretty close to the port. After chatting with the bloke behind the glass screen for a little bit, I spent a good chunk of recently exchanged currency, over $250, on a very long bus ride across the country to San Francisco. It took me four days to make it to the West Coast. I stayed on the bus pretty much the whole time. The loo was cramped and tiny, but I was used to that on the ship, and I'd always have it to myself when we stopped somewhere was working on that last bit of the late James Herbert's final novel, Ash, which wasn't that good, unfortunately. His last few novels were another attempted play on the ghost story, and they tended to feel pretty much the same thing over and over again. But it was his last work, and I was going to try and enjoy it to the best of my ability. In San Francisco, I hired a car, paid cash, and gave them the information they needed. I wasn't sure if I'd be bringing the car back or if I'd be living it amongst some trees somewhere, near to Ostium. I wasn't sure of anything, except for the address, so to speak. In the last email after I'd told Jake that I was coming to Ostium, come hell or high water, he gave me some detailed instructions and directions to get to Ostium. And now I was on the road, on a freeway in fact, in a left-hand drive car, crawling my way north following Jake's words. I was a decent driver, but driving on the other side of the car, on the other side of the road, was bloody weird. I was glue-stick to the slow lane and kept my speedometer under 45. I took lots of breaks and stops along the way for food and drink to calm my racing heartbeat. I was shit-scared, and the driving was definitely taking its toll. Along with the fact that a week ago, I was comfortably ensconced in my flat, And now I was on the other side of the world, in a place that was strange and unfamiliar. Considering I hadn't been on holiday in years, this was a really big deal. But Jake had done his job very thoroughly, and I was on the right track. I could feel it. When I got to the Starbucks that he'd been in in that first episode of Ostium, I had to stop, go inside, and get a coffee. I retraced his footsteps to the best of my knowledge and memory, filling his shoes. I know I must have been in a different space in the car park, but I saw the house he'd mentioned when he was honing in on Ostium. I took the approximate spot, hoping the owner of the car in front of me wouldn't show up and wonder what the bloody hell I was doing. It was a nice moment. I didn't feel anything. Didn't expect to. And I wasn't going to kid myself there was anything. Then I got back in my car, 
and continued on my stressful journey. Once I got off the freeway and onto smaller roads, I definitely calmed down a bit. was able to go even slower, too. Watching the scenery change was just as Jacob described it. I could have been listening to the podcast while I was driving, but that was too far off to the right of the spectrum into the batshit crazy section I felt. I was listening to classical music. Ralph Vaughan Williams. It made everything that much more beautiful. The cars had completely disappeared, and it was just me now. The road narrowed. The parallel walls of greenery rose up on me. I knew I was getting close. My foot lifted off the pedal when I saw the sign. I had to stop. I had to get out and just touch it, just like Jake had done. Because if the sign was real, then Ostium had to be real. And this green and white piece of metal by the side of the road was as real as the car parked next to me. I took a long moment just looking at it. I may have gotten a bit teary-eyed, but there was no one around to be sure of this. I got back in my car and drove on. A little while later, the foliage opened up, and there I was, at the entrance to Ostium, staring at that unique façade. I parked under a tree, looked around but didn't see any other cars. Maybe Jake had hidden his as well and forgotten to tell me. Wasn't really important, was it? I got out and looked at the wall expanding out in both directions. I walked up to the gate, saw something, ran towards it. When I reached the iron halves, I dropped to my knees, feeling the tears coming again, turning my vision blurry. There was a hexagonal padlock on the gates. What the bloody hell? I reached out a shaky hand and hovered over it, not sure if I wanted to touch it. Once I did, it would make it real, like everything else around me. Then I grasped it. It was cold, a solid bit of metal. I moaned when I held it, not sure where to go next. I gripped the bottom end and yanked. The lock clicked open, like there was a key in it. But I could see the keyhole and there was no bloody key in sight. Nevertheless, the lock was now open. I slowly got back up and slipped the lock off the gate, letting it fall to the ground. It gave a heavy thump. I pushed on the gates, and just as Jake said, they opened like a pair of hands, welcoming me in. I was still crying, but smiling now. Bloody great big grin plastered across my face. I walked into Ostium and felt at home. Then I started running, fast and hard. I knew exactly where to go. It didn't take long to make it to the clock tower. Both hands were pointed at twelve. I reached for the door with the one on it, and opened it. The creek was beautiful, music to my ears. I walked into and gasped at the map table. Then I shouted, Jake, Monica, anyone bloody here? It's Dave, Dave from across the pond. I've had a very long trip and I'm completely knackered. If you're here, stop farting about and show yourselves, please. Silence. No one was here. Okay. Maybe they were in another time, or on another planet. Or on the other side of one of the doors. Jake had said they were going to keep going through the doors. The last recording I'd heard was them going to Avalon on Catalina. And then that weird rumbling had ended the episode, and that was it. Yeah, and that big, jagged crack had formed in the map table. 
My heart spasmed and I spun around, tripping over myself, getting to the map table. I looked at it and couldn't believe. I tried to stop the tears for the third time, but no such luck. I was sobbing like a baby who needs his nappy change this time. There was no crack. The whole thing looked perfect, varnished, beautiful. Each of the numbers a shiny, harsh black, including the first five numbers. I stared hard at each one, rubbing my eyes clean. The numbers for doors one, two, three, four, and five were all black. This wasn't the same. I was in a different ostium. The sleepers are waking. These episodes were written, produced, and voiced by Alex C. Talander. If you like Ostium, please consider supporting our show on Patreon for as little as $2 a month where you'll get access to many episodes, including the Ostium files. As a supporter, you'll get your very own special door and eventually your very own Ostium file. If you would like to just make a one-time donation, you can also do that through our website, ostiumpodcast.com. And if you haven't already, please give us a rating and review on iTunes as this makes Ostium more visible to new listeners. And the more listeners and support we get, the longer Ostium will run. Ostium Season 3 will return with Episode 21 on September 2nd. Thank you.